Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. You are listening to the 23 Personnel Podcast, where food and sports clash at the goal line. Here are your hosts, Spencer and Michael. All right, buddy. Welcome back to another episode of the 23 Personnel Podcast. Darn producer needs to fix the levels. As our very enthused big voice guy said, I'm your host, Spencer, joined by Michael. Hello, everybody. We are coming at you live as, well, you know, we always record live, if that makes any sense. Anyway, all I wanted to say was the Texas Tech basketball game just ended. I'm sure we'll have some thoughts on that later, but Tech gets their opening game win 85 to 60 against Eastern Illinois, the Panthers and uh, a 25 point victory to open the season at home in a packed house is, is the way to, is the way to go. Yeah. So you said it, we're going to talk about basketball a little bit later. This is the part and the part of the year where we've got, three sports to talk about. Our notes document is jam-packed. We've got lots to talk about today, tonight on this episode. Um, first, before we get there, if you would like to follow us on the Twitter, you can follow the show at 23Personnel. That's the number two, three personnel. You can follow me at Punts Suck and Michael at Michael underscore LBK. That's me, guys. Before we jump into Texas Tech football, I think we should take a moment to laugh at Baker Mayfield. How come? How terrible he is. <laughs> okay. At playing the game of football, <laughs> at least professionally. Has has it been going? Has it not been going well for the Browns? That's historically not the case. No. Usually the Browns are always in the conversation this time of year as uh, being a playoff contender. Yeah. But not but not this year. Not this year. Not uh, last year. Mm. They, they won their first game in like several years last year, but it's pretty good. Haven't been able to build off of that momentum. That moment. <laughs> um, and the quarterback is none other than, than Baker Mayfield, but he's got this surprising statistical anomaly going on. What's that? So he performs better under a pass rusher under pressure. His stats when he's not under pressure, worse than mediocre. That doesn't make any sense. It's, okay, well, what are the stats first? And then okay. we need to try to figure out the theory behind this, why this works. So of his seven touchdowns this season, six of them have come not under pressure. So that's fine, right? Also, seven passing touchdowns this far into the season, not good. But not under pressure, he's fine throwing a touchdown interceptions he has 12 on the season 10 of them has come when he was not under pressure 
Oh. There's this, um, my coworker, Harrison, pointed this out earlier this year. If he has more than two and a half seconds in the pocket, like his QBR like falls off the table. So he either, I'm still, I'm still trying to come it, up with a theory as to why this is happening. It makes no sense. His QBR, not under pressure, 75.1, 71.3 on the season. So a little bit better than when he's under pressure, but still 71.3 in the season, not very good. You know who else the Browns have to compare that to? Oh, I've got a good idea. Johnny Menzel. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I remember him. Also played for the Browns. Yes. Also came in very hyped. True. Only lasted two seasons with the Browns. You know his QBR was in his second season? Was it pretty low? 74.4. Oh. Higher than Baker Mayfield's. Just barely. Now, he had seven touchdowns to five interceptions. To, you know, Mayfield also has seven touchdowns to 12 interceptions. Yikes. One has to wonder if Mayfield may be seeing himself out of a job. I think it would be hilarious. That's possible. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, I, I just want to take a second to to talk about good old Baker Mayfield. Well, that, that didn't go where I thought. I thought you were going to dissect his facial hair, but th- this was actually more interesting. You know what, though? Speaking of facial hair, <laughs> I have committed to shave my beard. Spencer has a, I, a, a triumphant beard, you could say. It's, it's got a good mix of gray in there. It's black. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's bushy. He's, he's, let, he's letting it grow out onto some length. It's uh, it's not a wispy beard by any means, so it's not patching. He's going to look a lot different. I gotta support Movember, men's men's health. I mean, well, you're just, just, <laughs> just not. It's not looking at the calendar. Today is the fifth. Don't worry about it. <laughs> glad, glad to have you aboard. All right. So as as a proud member of the Armchair Media Network, support for Armchair comes from Manscaped, number one in men's below the belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision engineered tools for the family jewels. Such as their redesigned electric trimmer. Their lawnmower 2.0 has proprietary skin safe technology. So this trimmer will not nick or snag. Manscaping accents are finally a thing of the past. Remember when I said I'm going to shave my beard? Yeah. I would not use the same trimmer for both of these jobs. I would actually recommend that you not do that. And uh, it's nasty. It, it's, I don't know why you'd want to. Sh- it's do not. That. It's not a good thing to cross contaminate those two. Uh, you should have a beard trimmer. Yeah, and uh, and this lawnmower, two point Yeah, there's uh, there's also the crop preserver, an anti chafing deodorant and moisturizer. Uh, you put deodorant on your armpits. Why not put deodorant elsewhere? Sure. Makes sense. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code armchair at manscaped.com. That's A R M C H A R at manscaped.com. Always use the right tools for the job. You ready to do some some footballing? Some some footballing. Yeah, we're going to have to be brief. We got we've got a packed show, guys. Packed show, fellas. We have so much to get to, but of course, always starts with this. 
back to pass. Pressured immediately, kind of flings it up there. He's stopped up and intercepted. Welker takes it at the 11. He's going to try to get to the right sideline, breaks the tackle. He's got running room at the 30, the 35-40. He's the midfield, the 45-40. He may go. 25, 10, touchdown Red Raiders. Davis Welker. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be Continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. The freshman screen. O'Harrell in the shotgun from the 28. The throw goes to the right side for Crabtree. It's caught. Oh, he plays. Oh, oh, he's going to oh, touchdown. Red Raiders. Unbelievable. Touchdown. Oh, touchdown. Red Raiders. Michael Crabtree has done it. Let the scoring begin. You know what I'm most excited about this episode? What you got? We have a basketball intro just like that. I can, and I haven't heard it yet. Just got to tease it for you. All, All right. right. Let's talk about Texas Tech football. Well, no. Let's talk about Big 12 football first and then Texas Tech. Okay. Um, let's put a wrap on week 10. Texas Tech was not in action this week. Um, our opponent this weekend, West Virginia, was on Thursday night. They went to Baylor, fell in Waco to number 12 Bears, 17 to 14. I'm a little surprised at how low scoring that game was. Yeah, me too. Uh, we'll talk more about it in, during the the preview section, but it was just it was kind of a sloppy game. Actually, a pretty well played defense, but just some big mistakes by West Virginia that kind of cost them. Mm-hmm. Horn Frogs, another future opponent on the road at Oklahoma State, fell by seven points, 34 27. Um. It was, at least for Oklahoma State, a game of big plays. I think at one point they had 300 yards of offense on like nine plays. And the other, however many yards they had at the time, was on like 20. It was like ridiculous. Like they had basically 30 yards of play for 10 plays and then like three or four yards of play for everything else they did. So it was feast or famine for the Cowboys this weekend. Um. The momentum for Kansas fell flat at home. They were not able to keep that near win against Texas and the win against Texas Tech propelling them. Uh, They fell against Purple Kansas, in-state rivals, Kansas State Wildcats, 
also ranked number 22 after defeating Oklahoma. Yeah. 38 to 10. And that was, I'm, I, those rankings I put in there, you know, Baylor was 12 at the time they played West Virginia and Kansas State was 22. I haven't actually gone back to see if those have gone up. I think they may have, uh, but not much. There wasn't a lot of movement. If you, if you guys read Staking the Plains this week, Brian does a great post kind of capturing this. There wasn't a lot of movement this week. Uh, it was a pretty ho-hum. I think a lot of the favorites won. It wasn't like the week before in the Big 12 where it was just nuts, where all of the underdogs won. Uh, but it was just kind of that way across college football in general. But the thing I wanted to bring up too, and I know that you kind of want to talk about some injury updates as well, but right now in the Big 12, Texas Tech is in eighth place. I was about to say, not in 10th. We're not in 10th. Thanks for losing this weekend, Kansas. Yes, but Kansas is off this weekend. So Texas we- Tech and West Virginia are both one and four in conference. Kansas is currently one and five. So t- Texas Tech and West Virginia are tied for eighth. They're tied for eighth. So depending the, on how this goes, the loser of this game will then be tied for 10th, ninth, technically. No. With Kansas. If, we, if Tech is the loser, Tech will fully own 10th place. Well, because Kansas has <laughs> Kansas has the tiebreaker. I don't want to talk about it. So th- there's a lot riding on this game. It's it's um, you know what did I call it over here? This battle is for the basement. Battle for the basement. That's kind of what what this is heading into right now. Is uh, uh, Morgantown's going to determine who is in the furthest, darkest corner of the basement? I think the three the three teams are are all kind of down there. Maybe maybe one's in the crawl space. Maybe one's up by the door, kind of listening. On the stairs? Yeah, on the stairs listening, messing with the light. <laughs> then someone's over there by the water heater, and uh, the water heater's making weird noises, and it's dark. There's some spiders. <laughs> we just got to figure out who that team is after this week. It's not a good place to be. No, not the best. Before we get into the preview, I, th- I think we keep saying that. Um, Matt Wells gave us some injury update news in the Monday press conference. Um, not unsurprising, but kind of quietly, I guess, Alan Bowman and Maverick McIver both will be x-rayed soon and are both, they, they are both considered day-to-day. That's comforting to at least, I still am in the camp of, I don't want Bowman out there unless... It's an emergency situation or something like that. I think Duffy should keep going, but it's comforting to know that there's a chance, maybe not necessarily in Morgantown, but when Tech comes back to Lubbock, that may be more realistic that uh, Wells and Co. will have a couple more QBs on the roster available for any sort of emergency or awful situation that could arise. And I don't I don't think it, it necessarily plays into the quarterback getting more playing time uh whether it be mciver or bowman but you are now in that realm of pretty close to the final four games of the season depending on if you're projecting a bowl game i think after this weekend uh you'll have a a better idea obviously if you're four and five on sunday as opposed to three and six if you're three and six, I don't think there's any reason why you wouldn't start looking at guys like Trey Cleveland, McIver, and be like, "Hey, you, you want to go get a series in?" Or sure, yeah. 
yeah. or whatever because you're, you're within your, your four-game limit there, including a bowl game, if that's somehow happens. How the season shakes out. Um, be interesting to kind of see how that works out. Um, Armand Shine is going to miss the rest of the season. Broken ribs. Career-ending injury, basically, and that's yeah. just... Which is strange, heartbreaking because it's not a career <laughs> ending injury. It's just with the timing of him being a grad transfer and at the end of the season, broken ribs are probably a three week injury. He's like, oh, he's done. Yeah. Uh, yeah unfortunate. Now, back to what you said if, if Tech were to somehow get in a bowl game, perhaps Shine can come back in and play then. But he's, uh, he's done really well for Tech. Uh, you know, Thompson, of course, is kind of. I think he's kind of cemented himself as RB one. Uh, it was it was kind of hard to tell at first who was who was going to take the majority of the snaps when the season started, and that was intentional, I'm sure, by the coaches. But just the way they ran, it was hard to tell. But Sean, you know, rough way to end the season. If there's a bowl game chance, possibly not the end of a season, but he will no longer be playing in a regular season game for the Red Raiders, and that does hurt a little bit in the running back depth. Of course, Henry's back there. And uh, and now you get an elevated Jax Welch. Right. And Henry's, you know, he's kind of had some off-the-field stuff to deal with, some personal stuff, not not like behavior things no. or anything like that, but he's he's had some, some issues to deal with that have kept him away from practice and away from some uh, – you know, more time with the team that he normally would have. So, and Thompson was out a little bit with the flu. Yeah. Leading for the Kansas game. He still played. Yep. But uh, anyway, that I think Tech's still going to be okay, given what we've seen from Thompson and even from Henry. But man, it, it hurts. It, mm-hmm. A three headed monster is better than a two headed monster if you can, if you can pull it. For sure. Finally, Nelson and Banasaur, Evan Rambo. So, sorry, defensive end, Nelson and Banasaur. Um, gosh, I'm trying to think. Spur linebacker Evan Rambo and cornerback Desmond Smith are considered day to day. Um, they all could participate, also could not. That's great news. Was the, does the, Rambo have kind of a stinger? Is that seems to be what it seems like he goes down a couple of times almost that's the last right. few games. Uh, Smith has been down since. Is that leg injury against uh, Iowa State? Was oh okay okay, yeah I think that's right. It was ugly. It was on the sideline. He got like rolled up or something. And it oh, was, yep. Um, finally, Jordan Brooks has been named a semifinalist for the Butkus Award, given to the nation's best linebacker. That's awesome. Yeah, it's been a long time since you've had uh, a de- defensive player in the list for any kind of season recognition at least uh nationwide sorry i was thinking what's bigger than conference <laughs> <laughs> worldwide I think, I think it was back uh it was either jamar wall or darcel mcbath as a defensive back 2008 2009 bird area. i don't think he was did bird guy. ever get any sort of i don't believe so yeah he may not have anyways so excited brooks is leading the conference in Tackles, and I believe tackles for loss, too. I think he's got like 15 and a half, which is outrageous. So, Especially as a linebacker. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Like a middle linebacker. Yeah. <laughs> he's not like a rushing, 
like Eric Stryker. Yeah, he's Oklahoma. not a defensive end up there or no. something. Anyway, that yeah, it's incredible. It's usually after he's chased down a guy for eighteen lateral yards too, or like flown through the line. Like he has to get through offensive linemen. He's impressive. I yeah. I love watching Jordan Brooks play, and I, I don't know. He he might be my favorite to watch on this team. It's it's up there. He's just everywhere. Yeah. Yep. All right. So let's let's look at the 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 road trip this weekend out to Morgantown. Um, three and five, one and four. Texas Tech takes on three and five, one and four. West Virginia. Um, when you first start looking at West Virginia, there are a lot of familiar names on the coaching staff. Michael, I don't know. Like you probably remember Neil Brown. Sure. Yeah. But also Matt Moore and Chad Scott are also on that offensive coaching staff. All three of those guys coached at Texas Tech under Tommy Tuberville. I don't believe uh, more. I remember. I remember that name, but I don't remember Chad Scott. Okay. Matt Moore's offensive line, Chad Scott running backs. Those are the same positions they coached at Texas Tech when they were here. Did they follow Brown yes. kind of, you know, through was where was he at? Troy and yeah, Kentucky. No, was it? I don't think he went to Kentucky. Oh, gosh, what am Wait, I thinking? He did. He went He went there first as an offensive coordinator. And then oh, that's took, right. And then took the head coaching job. At, then head coach at Troy. At okay, Troy. I got it. Um, Matt Moore was offensive line coach, one of the offensive line coaches under Tommy Tuberville. I know uh, Thompson was one, the one that was the interim coach when Tuberville left in the game against Minnesota. Okay. He was offensive line coach at that time. Um, I think Chad Scott was a running back coach the entire time one of those positions that didn't turn over a whole bunch. Um, another familiar name. I don't know. I, I don't expect or anticipate him to get a lot of playing time unless they decide to make a, a move at quarterback. But Jarrett Dagey, younger brother of Seth Dagey, is a quarterback. There was some scuttlebutt online about the the chance that Dagey could play in this game. And I I don't know how much truth there was to it or maybe it was just some disgruntled fans who who got tired of Kendall missing all these deep passes this past week but mm-hmm. I I, I kind of hope that doesn't happen and or if it does that it's it just is a huge mistake yeah the the offense for Neil Brown um, not what it was at Troy not what it was at Texas Tech the Oklahoma transfer uh, Austin Kendall it's completing only 62% of his passes, 12 touchdowns to eight interceptions. So that's a four to three ratio. That's way too many interceptions for as few touchdowns. You know, West Virginia has had some, some really good backs and had some success on the ground under Daniel Holgerson, but Letty Brown and Kenny McCoy are only averaging about three yards a carry each. So the thing that, that, that's going to concern you um, in Morgantown isn't necessarily their offense. Um, although you, you haven't played very well on the road. I think we, we touched on that last week, Matt, Matt <laughs> Wells record on the road. Yeah. Um, Has a chance to improve that this week, but we'll see. Sure. West Virginia is much more stronger on the defensive side of the ball and they're, they're led by their, their linebacker. They, they were recently super thin, um, and the defensive backfield, you know, they had a whole bunch of transfers in the offseason. They had a, an injury where they, they at one point in the game, uh, were playing a linebacker back there at safety because they literally had nobody else to play safety. Um, 
Well, because I think one of the linebackers went out in the first or second quarter on a targeting penalty too. Yeah, I. It was one or two of them. They they may have lost two. You know what? I think they did lose two guys on the. I think they lost a defensive back and a linebacker to targeting penalties. But I think they were in the first half. So yeah, Tech will see them. And they'll be back, and they have a just a monster defensive tackle too. Um, well, they've got brothers. Yeah, a, a defensive tackle and then a linebacker, I believe. Well, I think they're both on the on the line. They're both on the line. Darius and Dante Stills. They. Um, they combined for five sacks on Brewer That's and a lot. West Virginia and, and y'all as tech fans have seen Brewer. He's a mobile guy. He, he's mobile enough. He's mobile enough. He's, you know, Tony Romo esque, but maybe that's, that's a stretch. That's a stretch. Really? He's efficient at avoiding the rush. Sure. But he was sacked eight times. West Virginia got to him eight times and Darius and Dante uh, stills got to him five of those times. So it, when you look at the game, you're concerned about your offensive line being able to hold up, keep the pressure off of Duffy to keep Duffy off the ground. Um, Duffy hasn't, hasn't been sacked very many times. And I don't, I believe it's in the single digits, like three or four times. He's also taken care of the ball really well. Yeah. Um, but it's one of those things where you just you can't flirt with disaster or fire or whatever you want to talk about. You've got to be able to keep him upright, keep him his pocket clean so he can find um, the receivers. David Yost and their media availability said they're working on making sure he gets through his progressions. They're still working, making sure, you know, as much progress as he's made, not just a first read and then run or first two reads and then run. Um, that he's going through his progressions and trusting his protection. Um, you just, it's hard to, it's hard to see that that's happening though. I just feel like he, he kind of makes one read sometimes and it, that's it. Yeah. Um, so on the season, uh, West Virginia is as desperate for a win as you are. Oh um, yes. They, they hosted James Madison first, first week of the year, one by seven. Got blown up by 31 at Missouri. They won against NC State, which I think is probably their best win on the on the, the schedule so far. Yeah, I would agree with 44 that. 44 to 27. Then they went on the road and beat Kansas by five. And since then have lost four in a row. Uh, Texas, Iowa State, Oklahoma, and Baylor. So the top four teams in the conference. Right. Um, they've already played Kansas. They have you now. They'll, ha- they'll have Kansas State and TCU to wrap up their season. Um, did you get to watch that Baylor game? I watched part of it. I actually, I actually watched uh, maybe not all of it, but close to all of it. And West Virginia had a lot of chances to win that game. Uh, th- there was a red zone drive that was either in the, th- I think it was in the fourth quarter and West Virginia was moving the ball and the center snapped the ball and it went to the 50 yard line and Baylor recovered. So it, it was just, they had stuff like that happen. There was a muffed punt that uh, West Virginia couldn't do anything with. You know, I think they they went three and out on a series, but then somehow Baylor muffed a punt, and West Virginia recovered, and they were unable to punch it in. Just some some really 
you want to credit the defense somewhat, especially the front guys on West Virginia, but just kind of some ugly offense. Nothing was really clicking for either side. West Virginia had 11 penalties for 89 yards. I mean, that's a pretty low yardage for as many for as many penalties as they had i mean it really is but uh and i believe baylor had seven eight i mean i think there were about 20 penalties total it just seemed like they were calling them all the time but it was an ugly game and baylor just i know we're supposed to be talking about west virginia but baylor has to be one of the least impressive eight and no teams i've ever seen they have to be the worst one out there i mean they're still eight and no Credit sure. to them. Yeah, I mean, I absolutely. Tech think. hasn't sniffed eight no since twenty thirteen. Uh, and they probably could have been eight no had uh, Jakeem Grant not been called for pass interference when Gabe Lynn <laughs> ripped his jersey off. Still, still, uh, still salty about that one. But I have a picture of Gabe <laughs> Lynn it. pulling Jakeem Grant's jersey off. Like there's a gap between his shoulder pads and his jersey. Isn't it the uh, background on your phone? No, not anymore. <laughs> But that was somehow called an offensive pass interference. A wiped away touchdown. But yeah, so Baylor is just, they're okay. They they figure out how to win. They win ugly. I, I guess that's good. I've just... Better I, than the alternative of losing. Sure. I've, I watched, I've watched a few of their games. That Iowa State game was another one where you just watch and go, gosh, how is this? They just squeak by. They just do enough to get by. And we'll see how that turns out for the gauntlet of the remainder of their schedule. They've got Texas and Oklahoma back-to-back weeks starting this weekend. Yeah, good luck. Good luck on all that. But I, I believe both those are home games for them. Yeah, it could be. But this was a home game, and they almost lost it. Yeah, I, I'm not. I mean, they almost lost to Tech. They should have lost to Tech sure. at home. They did lose to Tech. If if you really want to go back and okay count it but but yeah just to just to say i mean west virginia has i think like what you've said spencer that the defense oddly enough uh, especially those those front guys i think they're going to be the biggest concern they're they're good on third downs at least they were against failure of five <laughs> they were for, great five for 15 on yep. third down oh for one on fourth down yep um they were even worse on offense on third down they were only went three for 17, um, but converted three fourth downs, all three of their attempts. Yeah. So Tech could take advantage of that defensively, possibly, you know, get them off the field once they hit third down. You just got to try to avoid third down yourself because they're sure. <laughs> yeah. They, they're, they're able to, they were able to stop Baylor on, on third down a third of the time. So look two thirds of the time at the statistical rankings. Um, it, it's, it's strange because, S&P Plus has the biggest gap between Texas Tech and West Virginia. But if you look at Adam McClintock and the Sagarin rankings, they're both really close. So according to S&P Plus, uh, Texas Tech comes in number 47 team in the country, whereas West Virginia is number 88. Um, There's a pretty significant gap there. But Adam McClintock has West Virginia at 60 and Texas Tech at 63. Oh, yeah. And has Texas Tech uh, about a point and a half dog in this game. Hmm. Sagarin has Texas Tech ranked 55, West Virginia 61, and they give West Virginia a 54% chance to win the game. So all of this means no one knows that what the heck to expect. It's it's going to be a close game. The um <laughs> yeah. the line has has bounced back and forth between minus two and a half for Tech to a pick'em, 
all the way up to minus three, back to two and a half. Um, it's going to be an interesting game to kind of to kind of figure out where that goes because of the importance to the rest of the season for both of these teams. Um, Michael and I are going to do our predictions based on the the Texas Tech minus two and a half, which is your favored in this game. Sure, a field goal on the road, which is interesting. Right. Hate to point out that you were a three point favorite at Arizona and at Kansas. Yes. And you're zero and two in those games. Nope. Not not a good one. Not a good uh, memory <laughs> on either of those. But before we get there, um, you know, Michael, that's a true football fan. Sure, just as sure as the seasons change, Dak Prescott keeps the Cowboys in the game. Yeah. Every weekend, our favorite Gridiron Warriors put their skills to the test. So why aren't you doing the same? We're almost halfway through the NFL season. We're more than halfway through the college football season. Now is the time to get off the sidelines and get in the game with my bookie. Uh, my bookie is the premier place to bet on all your favorite pro and college football action every weekend. They always have the most up-to-date lines, most prop bets of any sports book on the planet. So if you're going to bet this season, do the smart thing and bet with the best at my bookie. Best part is if you join right now, my bookie will double your first deposit. That's right. If you put in a thousand dollars, they'll give you a thousand dollars. It's double your initial deposit. You can use on all of your favorite picks. Use promo code CHAIR to activate the offer. It's promo code CHAIR, C-H-A-I-R, to double your cash. Visit mybookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. So let's say, hypothetically, Spencer, if if you were to lay down a hypothetical hundo on this game, with Tech being favored at 2.5 and, and the over-under being at 60, which of those would you take, or would you take them both? Um, I think I feel more confident in the under of 60. I'm with you. We've seen... Just barely, but I'm with you. Both because the West Virginia defense is pretty good versus the Texas Tech offense on the road, and then your defense is also pretty good against a fairly mediocre West Virginia offense. I think 60 points is a lot for this game. Um, I also think that three points for Tech is not going to get it done. It doesn't give me a lot of confidence. No, and, and we've said this so many times so far this season. We're just You have to show me so I can believe it. You've been a three-point favorite twice this season on the road and lost head scratching like different ways both times but both of them actually had i think one thing in common you had one particular part in the game when you just thought there's nothing we can do to stop their offense you, you, yeah. sh- you should be able to um Arizona went 90 something yards um Kansas went you just knew in their their last couple drives that you weren't going to be able to stop them because of the momentum. Your defense was gassed. It's weird to say I don't think West Virginia has the offensive talent that Kansas does, but that's strange. I think that's pretty accurate, though. I I just I'm I'm snake bitten thinking that even if you have a lead late, 
a one score lead late one you don't have a Matt Wells does not have a great record in one score games on the road two and 17 um yeah I, I just I don't have confidence in this I, I'm picking West Virginia to win this game by a field goal 27 24 and it may come late it may be one of those late game drives last drives for West Virginia that puts them up for good Michael where are you at I, I'm very similar to where you are but I've got West Virginia by a touchdown i I kind of went out on a limb and thought that Tech would win big in Lawrence. That was one of my few uh, big double-digit win <laughs> predictions for the year. Lock it in. Yeah, lock it in. Um, that came back to bite me big time. But I don't see Tech being – I mean, I think these these front seven at West Virginia are going to disrupt Tech's offense. And Tech's offense has played pretty well in these last few games, but – I think part of the conservative choices and chances have not helped Tech in their uh, their ability to, to punch it in the end zone. So I I just don't see that changing. I think there's a chance, you know, Tech may be down by three with four minutes left in the game, and they punt on fourth and two, that type of thing. So, if, and if that happens, then Tech's going to lose the game, and they're they're going to lose more games if, if they continue to uh, just kind of, I'm not saying pack it in, but play the no- odds or the numbers or whatever the reasoning is behind that. So long story short, I've, I really liked the 24. I think that's about where I thought tech would score. And so I stuck with that, but I've got West Virginia winning 31, 24. All right. So according to FPI football power index, uh, this is the last game of the schedule. They have you with a positive winning percentage, uh, only at fifty four point one percent. It drops off pretty dramatic, dramatically, drastically. Let's make those dramatically. Up. That's dramatically. Good. Home versus TCU thirty nine point one. Home versus Kansas State thirty eight point five. On the road at Texas twenty point three. I think that's the lowest it was all season. The next lowest game was Oklahoma, which I think was like seven percent. But it was, yeah, that may be right. According to that, though, most likely scenarios for you to end the season would be at four and eight if you were to pick up the win this weekend and then lose the last three. That comes in at thirty-six percent chance. According to these these um, these numbers, next highest percentage would be five and seven, which I think is interesting. They think you'd win two more games. Thirty-three percent. The next highest possibility, three and nine. So so not six and six, but losing the last. Four four instead of winning the next four wow that's a big difference yeah three and nine at 14 percent um that doesn't make you feel good no but it does make me feel good to know that five and seven is is twice as likely as three and nine more than twice as likely yeah all right so this weekend you can catch michael and robert bro rob bro carson yeah. robinson tucker the rants on the countdown to kickoff i will be unavailable i may call in please do please call in we'll see we'll then we see can trash it. your takes after you get off the after you get off the phone oh i'll call right back in <laughs> tucker you have to let me back on um i can't defend myself countdown to kickoff this weekend saturday morning 9 to 11 a.m with the 11 a.m kickoff you can catch the show on 1340 a.m 
stream online or through the Talk 1340 app to your phone or smart speaker. So Talk 1340 on the app and kkam.com. Michael? I am ready to hear this basketball intro. I don't think you are, man. We're about to transition to, to, to b-ball. Let's do this. Well, it's it's time. We had the first game of the season tonight. Where This is an instant reaction podcast. Yeah, it doing? is. It's an instant reaction for Taking us 40, Eastern Illinois. 40 minutes to get to an instant reaction. <laughs> Sorry, guys. All right. Here comes Stevenson. Spins. Over the top before they get a crowd strip by Owens. Ready on the run. Bounce pass. Here's Culver. Evans. Yes. Game over. Mooney with a crossover in the line. Owens. Now the shot clock is at three. Mooney spins, fires. Oh, he got it to go. Edwards with a three. Good. What a shot, Kyler Edwards. Ready double into three. Going to put it down. Already. Odiasi. Propars it in. Got caught down to five. Got the screen. Here's a three. Good. Colbert got the separation. Oh, big shot. Step it up big time. Dagger. Colbert with the dish. Odiasi. And one. He can tie it at the line. That's it. There's a new member of the final four club. That was glorious. That was pretty good, right? Yep. Yep. Uh, anytime, anytime you can put Kevin Harlan into something, I'm, I'm for it. I'm ready. I'm all in. Um, that was fun to put together. There, you probably noticed, there were only two non-tournament highlights in that. There was the Keenan Evans buzzer beater. Yeah. And there was the, it was against Kansas last season. Owen stripped the ball. Moretti picked it up and then passed it to Culver who ran the length of the floor and then dunked it. And then it was like just mad chaos. It was early was in the, the game. Yeah, I was about was to say that was in the first in the half because was it was a blowout. This is the game where you got like a 30-point lead on Kansas. Just want to remember, you know, especially after these last couple of weeks, this was the game where you blew Kansas out of the gym mm-hmm. uh, after – they blew you out of the gym. <laughs> it, it wasn't that bad. It wasn't that bad. And then the first was from the Elite Eight run last season. No, two seasons ago. Naeem Stevenson and Zaire Smith. Yeah, yeah. I remember. I heard Stevenson. So you had two from two seasons ago. The rest were essentially tournament highlights from last year because it's hard to get away from big moments in a tournament where you play for a national title. Yeah. This week... Chris Beard had his basketball big his um not Big Twelve that's not a thing his um basketball tip off luncheon goodness tongue twisted I went to this went to this lunch had a good time got to hear from the man himself this, this I I don't know if I could love this man anymore it's hard not that but it's difficult yeah, not well, to. I get you. Um, I want to share just a few notes because we don't have a lot of time before. I, I want to talk about the game tonight. Um, Beard mentioned the theme for 2019. He, he's talking about the process um, and all the things they've done so far this year. It's going to be trust. 
Um, and he pointed to having 10 newcomers in the team. They have to trust the coaches and the system they have in place. The coaches have to trust the players to execute what they call. And then he kind of turns and says, and then we have to trust the fans to be there. We, we thrive off of their support. He had a, a plea for season ticket holders. He's like, if you can't make it to a game, make sure that somebody is in your seat. Yeah. He's like, if you can't make it, you don't have a friend that can make it. We have a, we have a system in place. You can turn your tickets in and they can be redistributed. We need a hundred percent season ticket holder season tickets scanned in every game. He's such a, uh, a salesman and, and in a good way. I don't mean that in a bad way. He's, He's constantly selling his product because he knows it's good and he knows people need to come see it. And, and it benefits him and it benefits the players. I mean, it's a mutual thing for yeah. sure. And it paid off. Tonight on a Tuesday night against Eastern Illinois, the USA had 15,000 people in it. Sold out. On a weeknight in November against a nobody. Yes, that they were unveiling a banner or two. <laughs> yeah, that's nice. They, they had some promos from Whataburger. Red Panda was there. Red Panda. Um, but still. That's it, big time. It's amazing that you get that kind of support in a game one. Um, Beard also asked for patience from the fan base. He said that there are going to be times because of the, the youth of this team, it's not going to look like what you expect it to look like. You could leave the stadium proud of the team and thinking we could repeat the run that we just got off of. You could leave the stadium, the arena, thinking, what the heck did I just watch? Like, there's so many things that went wrong. Um, and that's kind of a, what plagues a young team is just inconsistency. But he, he was asking the fan base to be patient as, yeah. they, as they continue to, to gel, to increase their team chemistry. Uh, we saw it work tonight. They, they had a big win tonight. Um, I think that's smart to bring up because most fans, if you don't, unless you follow the the team very closely if you just kind of hopped on board the last year or two and you didn't realize how many players are no longer there and and you just remember oh wow tech made it to the national championship game they're gonna you know steamroll their way to the final four again this year and they might they could but they, they very well could but it's, it's smart gonna, it's gonna take some effort to get there. yeah it's smart to remind people that hey just because we've been to the top of the mountain or whatever you like to say it doesn't mean that it's super easy to get right back. Yeah. And he did point to say with all the new, new players, you really have to build around those that are returning. Uh, Chris Beard has three players on this team coming back from last season, Avery Benson, David Amoretti and Kyler Edwards. Beard went on to say like, he thinks the, at least early on, the biggest win of the off season was getting Avery Benson to commit, to come back to play in 2019, 2020. He said there was so much heart and soul, of the team, coming from Benson, um, but having him come back for this season was a huge get for them. Um, I'm sure Benson had a lot of other offers. I'm sure he did do. And he mentioned that um, he had one-on-one conversations with, with all the, the newcomers and said, you know, very candidly, what are your plans? What do you want to do? What do you, what are your goals? Um, and he pointed to Malik Ondigo, who said, you know, coach, I want to play more. And he's like, great, well, let me help you f- find a way to do that because I don't think you fit more playing time in our program. But he helped him get onto Rice. Right. And he said, I think he's going to be 
a big deal for that team in that conference. Um, he asked them, the, the returners, because they were there at the lunch to, to kind of reflect on the team and, and who they pointed out. I'll just go really quickly. Um, Avery Benson said he was the, the player he was asked to speak on, or sorry, when asked to speak on a newcomer, he chose Kevin McCuller and said he's a competitor. He's a lot of fun to be around. Uh, Kyler Edwards pointed to Jemias Ramsey. So they're both from the same hometown. He's a playmaker. He's a great teammate. Um, Moretti didn't answer that question. Like, I don't think he was asked it, but they told a story how they're trying to recruit Moretti's younger brother. And I think he's only a sophomore in high school. Um, and Beard was joking around saying, we're trying to get the early commitment. But he said that Morrow is being a pain in the ass. <laughs> he's trying to hold out. Um, and he, he wants him to come. But um, he also says, you know, he's trying to get his brother to end the best situation possible. Sure, of course. Um, I, I thought that was that was funny. Um, with the 10 new players, uh, he said that the two grad transfers are are unique and that they're both going to be fifth year guys that that set out last year so they didn't play last year they set out um and chris clark injured right or clark was injured wasn't he clark was suspended holyfield was injured oh that's right that's right okay um they're still waiting on the ncaa uh eligibility waiver for joel and and tomboy he said we could hear back as early as this week uh, and if that's the case then they're going to roll with him they're going to get him involved um then they have seven freshmen um he mentioned the two that were here with the team last year. He called them Dre and Mac, Andre Savrasov and Kevin McCuller. And then the rest of the guys, Jemias Ramsey, Terrence Shannon, Russell Chewa, Clarence Nadolny, and I'm forgetting one more. It'll come to me later. Okay, good. Cause I can't think of it. Or maybe oh, Ramsey. No, I already said Ramsey. Oh, Maybe it's in Tomboy. Maybe so. Nope. It's Tyreek Smith. That's who it was. Oh, good job. Um, on on Tyreek Smith, though, he said that he's going to be out for a little while. He injured his ankle that, like really recently, and he'll be out for a couple months maybe. Like he like did dislocated a bone in his ankle. It sounded really painful. He's like, it was, it's, it's no good. It's bad, bad stuff. Um, Chris Beard called Jemais Ramsey. Um, he said he's, he's going to be really good. He's fearless. He's a street dog. He said TJ Sam goodness. TJ Shannon has similar talent. And then he said he won't be in college all four years. And that's a good thing. Um two more things I want to talk about. He said that he was he reiterated the student promo. He said students that come to the five home games before the Kentucky game will be guaranteed entrance to the Kentucky game. They're the four non-conference games this semester before they go into break. And then the first conference game, Oklahoma state, when they come back in January, if you scan in all five of those games, you will be guaranteed access to the Kentucky game at the end of January, which I thought was pretty cool. Yeah, that's a, that's a great promo. And then finally, one more thing I want to touch on is um, the Texas tech athletic department, West Bloomquist specifically and Addie, Andy Katz joined forces this offseason and wrote a book. It's called Raider Power, Texas Tech's Journey from Unranked to the Final Four. It'll be published, printed, uh, middle of this month, November. 
just in time for Christmas gifts. I'm probably going to pick up a copy. I'm actually pretty excited about it. Um, looking forward to getting my hands on that. With that, though, really quickly, let's move on and talk about the game tonight. Texas Tech defeats Eastern Illinois 85 to 60. So many things to look at. Um, yeah, I mean, for just, I think one of the main things to to kind of point out was uh, just how dominant Tech ended up being in the second half. Uh, I believe that, what was it? I, th- I think Northern Illinois, oh no, sorry, Eastern Illinois only had 31 points in the first. They had 31 points in the first half and then they... 29 in the second. Right, and a lot of those were kind of in some garbage time towards the end. Mm-hmm. Tech really clamped down on defense and this is something that we saw a lot as tech fans last year uh tech may have you know they'd go into halftime with either a pretty small lead or maybe even behind a little bit to a team that you think that that shouldn't be even on the same wavelength as as tech and then they come out and tech only allows 15 points in the second half or, or or something crazy like that i remember that happened more than once it was either 15 or 17 something like that and and tech just clamped down on defense and and really uh you know stifled them completely so that was kind of what you saw tonight uh you know it was 46 to 31 at the end of the first half and then second half of course tech held them to only 29 but like i said that was still I think that number was still 17 or so till about four to five minutes left in the, in the game. Um, Statistically speaking, I think there are a couple of areas that you would like to see them focus on. Um, Again, it's early in the season. They had 13 turnovers as a team tonight. That's a little more higher than you like to see. I think Chris Beer likes to see nine or fewer. Um, And then you're, you're, free throw percentage you only shot 68 percent from the line uh 13 of 19 on the flip side though your field goal percentage you shot 55 percent from the floor and 57 from three that's uh pretty good that's pretty hot hand if if you do that you're gonna win a lot of games yeah uh tech was able to hold um hold eastern illinois down to only 37 and a half percent three-point shooting uh 40 percent from the field and I mean, they only shot sixty-two percent on free throws. So Tech did do an effective job defensively. Uh, I was trying to find turnovers on this thing, but I can't. Oh, um, they, they did create fifteen turnovers. So, so they were plus in the turnover margin. Yeah, if that, that's a thing. If you just count barely college basketball. Um, the other thing you'd want to point out is everybody healthy outside of, you know, in Tomboy who has not been cleared yet and Tyreek Smith played tonight. Right. Kyler, Kyler Edwards, TJ Shannon, Jamias Ramsey, TJ Holyfield, Dobbin Reddy, Clarence Nadolny, Andre Savrasov, Kevin McCullough, Avery Benson, Chris Clark, and Russell Chewa all logged minutes. Uh, Avery Benson had the fewest at seven. Savrasov had eight. Ramsey had 29. So in the few minutes I was able to watch this game because I was, I was busy prepping for the podcast and doing stuff at home. So impressive. He had 19 points as a first game as a true freshman. Yeah. Eight, shot, 
Sorry, go ahead. I'm just excited about to read the stat line. He it was eight, really impressive. Yeah, I'm sorry. Eight of 15 um, from the field, three of four from three, uh, four rebounds, two assists um, in 29 minutes. Yeah, it, you know, that's 53% from the field. No that's, turnovers. Right. No turnovers, took care of the ball, played all but 11 minutes of the game, and found his shot, found he never seemed to force anything even when he was driving to the basket and it's it's not forcing to drive to the basket that's not what i mean but one of the specifically i think the last bucket he scored before beard took him out he he got the ball you know about 10 foot outside of the basket kind of along the baseline and one guy closed in on him and i thought oh he's going to go you know, run right at him and do uh, doing a really some sort of athletic uh, move and either dunk or, you know, he'll be six feet in the air and have a crazy layup. But no, he kind of drew some contact and then he spun into the lane and just shot the most beautiful touch fadeaway. I mean, it was it was just incredible because he he wasn't forcing anything he he probably could have overpowered that guy probably physically and just he i'm not saying he took the easy way he took the best way Mm -hmm. he made the best decision and and got the bucket and that was the night for him i I was just really impressed with how he was able to to find open shots to create them himself and then it just didn't feel like he was trying to do too much another true freshman of note tj shannon had 11 points um it's two for five from the field, but seven of eight from the free throw line. So he got to the line a lot um, in 24 minutes. You had four players score in double figures, TJ Shannon, Jemias Ramsey, TJ Holyfield had 15 points, a transfer from Stephen F. Austin, and Davide Moretti. Uh, the only player that did not score was Andre Savrasov, and he missed two shots. If, uh, you know, hopefully TJ Shannon could maybe shoulder the load from Moretti a little bit on being the designated free throw shooter <laughs> at the end of every close game. Uh, that, that'd be kind of nice that take a Moretti can take a break and not feel like he's got to make every single free throw in the last five minutes of mm-hmm. every, every close game. Kyler Edwards, Edwards went two for two from the line. Moretti went two for two. Clarence and Dolny went two for three. And then Shannon, like we said, went seven of eight. And there were a lot of guys that went 0 for 1. So Tech was picked to win this game by 22. They won by 25. They took care of business. Spencer and I talked about this a little bit before. Uh, there was a there was a part of the first half, maybe within the first 8 to 10 minutes, where Tech got kind of sluggish and uh, Eastern Illinois kind of got back into it, got within 4, got within 3 maybe. And that was kind of what we expected to see was maybe a little bit of a struggle, not quite as dominant as this game ended up being. I'm sure this team will be tested, and we will come away, as Beard mentioned during that luncheon, kind of perplexed and confused. You know, how does how did Tech only beat UTRGV by six or, or whatever? There, there could be something like that on the horizon, but definitely not tonight. It's an incredibly deep bench. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, last year – you pointed this out before we started recording. Tech had three walk-ons. Uh, 
that you know when they made their appearance, it was obvious that the talent level was a little bit different on the court. This time, you get down to that end of your bench, the talent level is definitely not as big of a drop off. It's it's pretty uh, jarring to see that, and it's also jarring just to figure out who everyone is. I'm, I'm still trying to figure out everybody, right? I mean, I've, I've only seen one game. I uh, wasn't able to watch UTEP and, of course, the super secret Houston game that no one got to see. But the it's just hard to – and even uh, Kyler Edwards changed his hair. So it, that's throwing me off too. And so the, the, the only guy I can recognize instantly is Moretti. It's taken me a while. <laughs> and Ramsey. I can recognize Ramsey quickly too, but it's I, I'm getting there. You, you get so used to seeing the same guys with, with the, the same jerseys, and you kind of get a feel for Beard's rotation. Like, okay, this is when Kyler Edwards comes in. This is when Francis comes in. Um, and right now, because the rotation isn't set and he played you know, 12 guys tonight, he's like, yeah. like, you just don't have a good feel for that. Well, speaking of rotation, he usually, especially once he started clamping down on who he liked, he stuck with eight guys a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, Corpru and Edwards – That'd be about it. You might get a Benson. Edwards and Francis. Yeah, Francis, Francis. Uh, so you might get a, well, a Benson to come in to, to try to, you know, jazz up the team and, you know, fall on the floor and get a get ball. Get a defensive and, effort play. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> maybe get a, a charge or something. But that was really it. He, he would stick with those eight guys for the most part. The one other player I wanted to talk about was just how physically impressive he was and a lot better on the floor than I was expecting was Russell Chewa. Dude looks like Norrence Odiase, but six inches taller with that same kind of muscular filled out frame build. Yeah, possibly even a little quicker. And I mean, that's no slight to Odiase either. Well, so when I was driving over, I was listening to the the, the broadcast, uh, John and Chris mm-hmm. on the TV broadcast. They're saying... And the the conditioning tests over the summer, Russell Chewa was the one that was winning all of them. Like these are long distance runs, and your big man is the one that's leading the charge on your endurance running. That's a great sign. You've got a guy that's going to be able to play all forty minutes for you if you need him to, or whatever, yeah. <laughs> whatever it breaks down to. So lots of great things um, to look forward to. I know it's game one, but Texas Tech basketball. Started the season on the right foot, came out of the gate more impressive than I was expecting, especially of kind of how we felt Chris Beard was kind of setting expectations like maybe you need to be patient with the team, maybe you need to. I mean, yeah, uh, those those games are still going to come though, it just and, wasn't tonight. And it's not fair to compare this team to the national championship, no team that played the team that played for the national championship last season. Um, but you are back. On the hardwood this Saturday evening, Bethune-Cookman comes to town 7 p.m. I want to talk about baseball for a minute before we get on because we are because we have so much. Um, <laughs> no, we are not the Dinger Derby podcast. I can't promise you that there will be a, another episode of the Dinger Derby podcast after the Red and Black series wraps up next week. Our man, Keith Patrick may be able to get to it. I know that he is, his schedule is filled with friendship yes. high school football. He's a, he's a busy guy. They are on an incredible tear right now in their season. Seven and two, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're, they're, they're doing really well. Having a great play. season. So 
this off-season intra intra squad series may not be high on his priorities of, of covering in the midst of the football run that sure. friendship's on. Um, but I want to talk about it a little bit. Red and Black series, you are two games into the five-game series. It's tied 1-1. Red team's 1-1. Black team's 1. Three games left. Wednesday, so tomorrow or today, the 6th at 4 p.m. Wednesday the 6th, game 4 Sunday, November 10th at 1.30, and game 5 Wednesday, November 13th at 4. So I want to talk about the the rosters of the red and black teams themselves because as I was putting this together, I was like, man, I'd feel really confident with if Dex Tech were to roll out with the red team. And then I was putting together the roster for the black team. I was like, I would feel really confident if, <laughs> if the black team was Dex Tech roster. Luckily, you have all the, these guys. That's a good sign for, for your depth. Yeah. On the red team, your players are outfielder Dylan Carter. He's a newcomer. Infielder Jace Young, also new newcomer. Infield slash outfielder Dylan Noisy. Pitcher Mason Montgomery. Pitcher slash outfielder Andrew Devine. Infielder Jared Cushing. Pitcher slash outfielder. I thought that was interesting. John McMillan. Hmm. Infielder instead of a catcher, Cole Stilwell. Outfielder Max Marshock, catcher Braxton Fulford, Tyler pitcher Tyler Hamilton, pitcher Bryce Bonin, pitcher Bryce B- John Barrera, outfielder Tanner Otrimba, and then pitchers Riley Ramsey, Eli Reichman, Ryan Kesey, and Ryan Sublette. So a lot of newcomers on this team, but also a lot of veterans that you'd feel really confident to build a team around. On the black team, infielder TJ Rumfield, outfielder infielder Drew Baker, Brian Klein, Cody Masters, outfielder slash pitcher, same as uh, John McMillan, Kurt Wilson, infielder Cal Conley, catcher Bo Willis, infielder Easton Morrell, catcher Nate Rombach, pitcher Connor Queen, Clayton Beater, Trey Garlett, Austin Becker, Jacob Brustowski, Micah Dallas, Steven Vasquez, another pitcher slash outfielder, Hunter Dobbins, and pitcher Derek Bridges. I have to say, I think there's a lot of newcomers on this list. It's also a little bit bigger yeah. than your your spring roster is going to be. Yeah, they've got to weed that down. the The red team that's kind of that's kind of who I'm who I would uh, who I would pick if I had to pick between the two. But you'd be losing. Drew Baker, Brian Klein, Cody Masters, Kurt Wilson, Easton Morrell, Connor Queen, Clayton Beater. You just read them off, I know. <laughs> <laughs> Micah Dallas. You just read off all these names. Hunter Dobbins. <laughs> um, so one of the things I was interested in, I was interested in saying, I, I think I mentioned it one of the other times, is kind of seeing who you're starting pitching. The rotation comes out through the first two games with the two teams. You've seen four starting pitchers. Um, and if this is your 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 weekend rotation plus your, your midweek guys. I mean, it's hard to see a gap here. John McMillan, Hunter Dobbins, Micah Dallas, Bryce Bonin. It's pretty salty starting pitching. I like that a lot. Relievers, um, Mason Montgomery. He he dabbled in starting last season. Ryan Sublette, Ryan Kesey, Trey Garlett. He played for Cooper here in town, Connor Queen, Kurt Wilson, and a bunch of guys we haven't seen or heard of yet. So, Really interested to see um, how this team kind of shapes out. We'll probably see a finalized roster the week of the first series. 
in February. Um, and like I said, you, we may be blessed with a Dinger Derby podcast episode to wrap up the Red and Black series. No pressure, though, Keith. No pressure. No pressure. And I'm not the one that's signing him up for it. That's it's all on him. So um, I, I will not be able to catch any of the Red Black series games. I'll, I'll be out of town for like three of them. And then one's like the middle of the day. But I wish I could um, just to, to get a look at, at, at some of these, all these new guys. Um, Jace Young. One of the names I just thought of. <laughs> well, I'm willing to bet that Michael Labar will have a pretty good write-up on taking the planes because I think he's going to most or as many as he can. For sure. And uh, I'm sure he'll have a good write-up for us. All right, let's get to questions before we wrap this thing up. Now, are these really the questions that I was called here to answer? Who's in the box? Oh, what's in the box? I'm Ron Burgundy. Who typed a question mark on the teleprompter? You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! Okay. Sorry, I was looking through the old Twitter. Um, It looks like we were all too busy with basketball. I'm I'm thinking so. You guys were all too busy with basketball or you're just uh, done with football. (laughs) That's true. Could be one or the other. So I, I did have a, a, a reply. I shared the fireside chat video of Chris Beard talking to John Riley, the strength and conditioning coach. One of the things that one of, my favorite thing he says is tech students. But also he was talking to John Riley. He, he said, are you bald by choice or are you bald by God? <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. Um, and then interesting enough, the Staking the Plane staff all got a follow from the official Whataburger Twitter account. That's right. That happened. Uh, I think I think the Whataburger tw- account was making the rounds following a lot of Texas Tech fans tonight, probably because of their promotion. I'm not sure if it actually went through or worked or what, but if 4,500 students were there tonight, uh, Chris Beard was going to provide Whataburger and attend the wedding of one lucky engaged couple who happen to be tech fans. So I'm not sure if that actually happened. I haven't seen any official report from the Whataburger (laughs) family, but uh, I just wanted them to know that I did enjoy a double Whataburger with cheese meal earlier this week. No free ads. Actually, this is a free ad. That was (laughs) is delicious. And I added jalapenos to it. So I felt pretty, you have to grilled. And that is a lot of burger. It's it's an incredible amount of burger. But uh, for that that happy couple, it looks like there was a pretty good start. I'm looking at the pictures of the students lined up outside of the arena before they were let in. Yeah. It looks like middle of the conference season. Like The line is out to the street uh, to 18th, I believe that is, heading back towards... Towards Flint. Flint and that, uh, that dorm complex. What is that? It's not Stangle. Chitwood. Chitwood Weymouth. Yeah. The line's heading back that direction. So way to go all tech students that were in attendance tonight. Tech students. I was listening to uh, the pregame show running around before the game actually started. Jeff Hacks, I think it was 20 minutes before tip-off, said 
students are filling up, like they're spilling out into the the upper deck already. Um, he said there were a lot of times last season when you had a conference fill that you, you wouldn't get this this much. Um, it would have been early on, obviously, because of how well you did down the stretch. But, Michael, I'm a little disappointed we didn't have any questions. But then again, we I don't know if we could have spent any more time. I know. I know. We're already running way over. <laughs> way over. So let's wrap this up with what we learned. What did we learn, Palmer? I don't know, sir. I don't know either. You want to know what I learned tonight? What'd you learn? So I went to the store. My five-year-old, bless his heart, he's been soaking up what we call red words. And I don't know where he's hearing them from because I certainly don't say them in front of him, but we were in line check, to check out the grocery store. And I kid you not, he's like, what the hell? I was like, <laughs> what did you just... He's like, he said, like, he, he like almost instantly knew, he was like, ooh, I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> And very timidly said, well, when I asked him, like, what did he say? He's like, what the hell? <laughs> Why'd you say that? He's like, they've got Christmas decorations. <laughs> I was like, you're right. What the hell are they doing? Yeah, that's kind of appropriate, son. <laughs> As a my, matter of fact, that is an overreaction. <laughs> my five-year-old was appropriately outraged at the store having Christmas decorations and had the outburst. What the hell? Is, is, he, is he part of the hashtag war on Thanksgiving? Is is he? No, no. He was. He was. No, I mean that there is. Sorry, I. I, I need to. Wrong. I need to get my social justice things correctly. Oh my god! Would he be part of the conspiracy that there is a hashtag war on Thanksgiving? He'd be all for that. Yeah. Oh, I'm totally there. I'm with him. I'm with him. We can't. We can't just completely gloss over one of the best holidays. Oh, D- for sure. A, a checkered past. To put it lightly, as to how this holiday was created and why it's celebrated and whatnot, but if we kind of gloss over that, well, it's much like how um, Columbus Day has kind of been Ooh. rebranded as it's Canadian Thanksgiving. Yeah, Columbus. Yeah, that's that's kind of a tough one too. Uh, so, would you learn? Not kind of. That is a tough one. What what I did learn is I am going back and doing some research for. The Rise of Skywalker, Episode Nine, coming out December nineteenth or twentieth, depending on which theater you want to go to. So that'll do it for us on that screen. No, no, no. Here's what I learned. Here's what I learned. I am. This is basically going to be a Star Wars update because I'm trying to rewatch Episodes One through Eight. I'm not going to rewatch the spinoffs. I've seen them. I'm not going to rewatch them. I liked Solo fine. Rogue One was okay. Yeah. Probably one of my least favorites. So all that to say, I'm watching them in order chronologically. So I watched episode one Phantom Menace last night. I was really not looking forward to it because I remember how much everyone on the internet told me it sucked, (laughs) even though I had seen it before. You know what? It wasn't that bad. It was kind of, and this is not, it is not on the same level as Harry Potter. Don't, don't, okay, don't get me there, but, but hear me out. You know how the first Harry Potter is kind of lighthearted and cheeky and fun and, you know, none of the shenanigans are cruel and tragic, really, but they get cruel and tragic later. That's kind of how I felt about Phantom Menace. It was just kind of, oh, all right, you know, we're introduced to these characters. The, my biggest knock on it, two things. One, the kid who plays Anakin was obviously told to be as cute as possible, <laughs> which is really hard to believe 
that Darth Vader ever said yippee when he yippee. hopped off the yeah, when he hopped off the desk because his slave owning boss told him that he might be able to go off go uh go home early. Yippee. Okay. All right, Anakin. Uh, uh cool it, man. S- settle down, buddy. Uh, I feel like you should be brooding a little more or just a, a little more in inflective or something i don't know but anyway the kids just he's he should be cast as uh, a little rascal or something as opposed to this the the chosen one who will bring balance to the force by killing everything anyway that was my one of my main knocks and the other two is qui-gon qui-gon couldn't figure out how to get his mom on out of there i know he just, he like- just made a deal he made a deal with that slave owner guy and just said uh, you know, the slave owner said, eh, you know, we can only make you have uh, just one bought on. Yeah, just, uh, you know, we got to have just the one. And so he 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 tried to bargain for if if uh, Anakin won the pod race, then Qui-Gon uh, could take Anakin and his mother with him and get them out of slavery. But the whatever his name is, the the flying guy. Uh, but, you, you know, you could only take one. So he bargained to take the boy instead, but how, I mean, is Qui-Gon just that much of a man of his word? How hard would it have been to just say, because there was that whole emotional scene where Anakin was excited to go and then he realized, oh, his mom's not coming and then Qui-Gon just stood there like, yeah, sucks. That's what I was able to do. Sorry, buddy. You know, I made a deal with this sleazy douchebag over here and I got to, you know, hey, Jedi code. We made a deal. We're taking off in 30 seconds. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, that was, there was, there's probably a ton of other, you know, the Jar Jar stuff. Yeah, that's kind of rough, but anyway, wasn't too bad. So this may be like Star Wars review for the next few weeks. So you, you talked about watching all the movies one through eight to get ready for nine. Yes. Um, remember when I talked about how far behind I was in the Marvel movies? Sure. Yeah. Samantha and I have been committed that we've been watching We're about two thirds of the way through. So you're like 15 movies down. Yeah, we are at Ant-Man, the first one. Oh, okay. So I think that's part of phase three. We've done Captain America, Captain Marvel, Iron Man, Iron Man 2, Incredible Hulk, Thor, Avengers, Iron Man 3, Thor Dark World, Captain America, Winter Soldier, Guardians 1 and 2, Avengers, Age of Ultron, Ant-Man. That's where we've gone so far. Age of Ultron was not. It was dark. It was. I did not care for that one. Dark. Um, what we have left, Captain America Civil War, Spider-Man Homecoming, Doctor Strange, Black Panther, Thor Ragnarok, Avengers Infinity War, Ant-Man and the Wasp, Avengers Endgame, and Spider-Man Far From Home. Whew. Like I said, we're, we're about mm, almost two-thirds of the way through. You got your, you got your work cut out for you. We do. Um, so, sorry we went so long, everybody. We will be podcasting remotely this weekend and next week thanks for joining again the 23 personal podcast thank you for listening to the 23 personnel podcast and sharing our fandom for the texas tech red raiders you can connect with us on Twitter at 23Personnel, Spencer at PuntSuck, and Michael at Michael underscore LBK. And find even more great content over on stakingtheplanes.com. 
Help us out by rating the show and leaving a review on iTunes and subscribe on whatever channel you listen to podcasts. Remember to tell your friends about the show. The guys will be back next week with another episode. And until then, guns up and let the tortillas fly.